Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. We're going to do our App State uh, preview. But Dave, before we get into that, let me ask you. I know you're on the road. What kind of pumpkin spice latte IPA are you drinking tonight? Or or are you drinking? I I am. um, So I am in a a little town called Wadsworth, Ohio. And I don't know if anybody knows where that is because most people wouldn't. Um, but it's dead smack between Akron and Cleveland. Um, uh, you can fly into either yeah. airport, and uh, that's exactly where I am. Uh, I'm in the budget meetings all week, and uh, so I am drinking uh, an IPA uh, out of Columbus Brewing Company out of Columbus, Ohio, obviously, um, that I found at the little grocery store right down the street. So um, I went and picked up a six-pack of them. And uh, that is what I have. Well, I went to uh, dinner last night with a couple of friends over at Don's. And uh, normally we have a, an old fashioned there, but I just wasn't in the mood for several reasons. Uh, so tonight I'm sitting at home. I had a cup. I'm watching. I've got the, the, the Red Sox and the Yankees on. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm going, okay. So I made myself an old fashioned. So. Well, I am, uh, by the way, I am a big old fashioned fan all of a sudden. The last uh, couple of weeks, my neighbors and I have had some really good old fashioned. I'm a fan of Bullet um, uh, for my old fashioned, by the way. Uh, Hopefully, Bullet Rye. Yeah, Bullet Rye. That is exactly okay. right. Um, Those that don't know, let me just give you a little quick yeah. history there. All of these ones with, uh, it, it, they're very similar to the margarita. So, uh, when, in, in the sense of, a Manhattan or a uh, old fashioned is made with a rye to kind of cut a little bit of that spice and make it a little bit sweeter for those that aren't bourbon drinkers. And the same thing with the margarita was invented because at the time, tequila was so horrible. They needed something and they had all this tequila. So very similar with the rye. Now I'm a huge rye fan. So my, my secondary, uh, of choice for my, uh, it's Buffalo Trace for my uh, old fashioned. It's a bourbon, but it's a high rye bourbon, and it's, it's an excellent choice. Excellent yeah. choice. So, so those are my A and Bs um, if I'm going to drink a old fashioned. But yes, I'm a, I've become a very big fan of old fashions recently. Let me give you two other ones for your tip there that are in the moderate range, very similar to Bullet Rye. It's Redemption Rye and Re- Redemption High Rye Bourbon. Okay. Excellent I will, choices. I will check those out. Uh, I, I don't like when people make it with a weeded bourbon, such as Maker's Mark and such as that, because what you've already have is a softer bourbon, softer whiskey in there. And then all of a sudden you, you're making it with the sweetness in there. To me, it's just not the same. But hey, if you like it that way, not you, I'm pointing at you because we're on camera right now. But <laughs> To our listeners, no, my hands are pointing. If I'm pointing, I'm pointing at y'all. If you like it that way, drink it how you like it. Don't give a rat's ass what anybody else says. So, well, Dave, let's get started. 
we're going to start as we usually do with kind of what happened in the Sun Belt last week, and we'll finish up with the Cajuns. I want to start though uh, with the App State uh, Georgia State game. Well, I'm going to preface I'm going to preface all of this with uh, I, not that I am normally a genius, but I was absolutely a genius last week in almost every prediction that I made in the Sun Belt Conference, with the exception of our game. Um, but the other, the other games that were played, I, I, and, and most of them, some of them were very simple. App State and Georgia State, I said, was going to be a route. I thought App State just had too much firepower and they were just going to dominate them. And they did. And, and it was 45 to 16, but it could have been a lot worse than that. I think App, App took the foot off the pedal at the end, but they were, they were, it was a dominating game. Well, from what I saw in the game, uh, it, it looked like Georgia State had no defensive backs. I don't yeah. – I mean, because of the fact that – well, first of all, App State's quarterback is very, very accurate from what I saw. Yes. And, but but at the same time, I mean, when the guy is running he and, and he's past your, your cornerback or your safety and he's got five to eight yards, <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to hit that guy right there. Yeah. But Taysom Hill seemed to mess it up on the Saints game. So, yeah, see, But yeah. I'm not going there either. <laughs> so yeah it's just app app was look apps apps are really we're going to get deep into app in a few minutes yep. but apps a really good football team and there's no question about it and they showed it they they were the, the better team in that game and georgia state's got problems i mean they got problems all over the field they went back to quad brown this week i'm not sure what the coach is doing there i i, I can't figure out yeah i didn't get that either I like the other kid had been, and I didn't watch any of the game, so I don't know if it was an injury-related situation or what. Um, but the other kid seemed to be playing pretty well, and then all of a sudden you went back to Quad Brown, who hadn't been playing well at all, although he was your projected starter when the season started. So I, I don't, I'm very confused what's going on at Georgia State. I, I'm, I'm, they're a team that is an enigma to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it, I. I, I Man, I'd love to tell you something there that 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 you don't know, but honestly, I uh, have have having had watched the game, it, it was uh, it was very puzzling, like you said. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the stats here, trying to trying to remember something. I mean, the game wasn't what I would call out of reach at halftime, even though I thought uh, App State pretty much dominated, but it was only 14-6 at the half. Now, App State came out and, and scored 17 in the third and just, like, crushed any hope that they had. So, but um, we'll talk more about App State. But Georgia State is not a very good football team right now. And I don't know how – and, and I, I don't know what that says about Auburn. And then, well, forget well, Auburn. What does it say about LSU? Right. Well, and that was the other thing. Like I was, again, that's why I keep saying that Georgia State's an enigma to me because one, they're one and four. So they're not, their record doesn't indicate that they're very good, but they gave Auburn a, 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 a huge scare. And then Auburn, and I watched the second half of that game after the Cajuns were over against LSU. Auburn did not impress me whatsoever but they pulled out a win against LSU. And, and and I don't know what LSU has. I know LSU can't run the ball. Yeah. I know LSU can't defend the pass on the, they seem to be lost in the defensive backfield. They've got their own set of problems, but they, <laughs> uh, 
I, Georgia State just confuses me. And I, I, I could say it a hundred times. I just can't figure out what that football team is. Right. To play Auburn as well as they did and then to turn around and, and get crushed by pretty much everybody you played this season, it, it's hard to just put your hand, heads around head around what Georgia State is. I, I, and we probably spent way too much time talking about Georgia State. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, they confuse me. I, I, and I expected big, better things out of them this year. I'm not getting it. Yeah, I'm not feeling it there either. And, and well, I think I'm going to have to go back and look and see. I think I might have picked them last in the East. And yeah. somebody else that I'm talking to tonight picked them third. So I'm not. I did. I did. So, and, and I'm going to have to go back. We might have to go back and listen to these and see who we pick each <laughs> week or start keeping track of who's, who's well, right and well, who's wrong. Well, that's why I was pumping myself up about how great I picked the Sunbelt Conference this week because I know most of my <laughs> predictions are wrong. But this one, th this week, I was very good in the Sunbelt Conference. Well, I'm not sure that we can take the App State or the Coastal game. And, well, I, and, and, I mean, those were two to them. I mean, <laughs> those were gimmies. I mean, if either one gimmies. of us picked the other team, need to come slap the other one in the face. No, they were gimmies. So, uh, briefly, Coastal, ULM. Yeah. Hey, it's what we thought of ULM. It was exactly what we thought. Look, ULM came back to what we expected out of it. ULM shocked the hell out of me beating Troy um, last week, but they they played what they really are this week. They got beat horribly, fifty nine to six by Coastal. And again, this game was this game was uh, thirty eight to three at halftime, and then it was another twenty one points that that Coastal yeah. put up. I mean, it was just it was crazy. To be fair for for ULM though they were out without their quarterback. Red Red Rodriguez was in so, hospital in ICU. most of the week and he got out on yeah. Thursday beforehand. So yeah, good so, to see the young man that was out of the hospital though and uh, nothing uh, nothing I mean, nothing but happiness for him that he's 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 okay. He's, correct. Hopefully he's okay and that he can play football again. Correct. But I'd love for the Cajuns to face. So I, I want ULM's best shot. Yep. Unless unless they beat us. Nope. <laughs> then, then I don't want the rest. No. Um, so the team, <laughs> did you watch any of the Troy South Carolina game? I was, I was following it. I watched a little bit of it, but I was following it. I was actually, my daughter had a football game. Uh, she was cheering at, at uh, Clark field uh, down on the North side of town. Yeah. So I, I was, I was watching a little bit and then following the rest of it. And uh, I, this is the one I predicted. It was, I told you it was a six and a half uh, South Carolina was a six and a half point favorite, which kind of surprised me after ULM had been crushed by, <laughs> I mean, uh, Troy had been crushed by ULM. And I said, uh, I thought the game would be close, but I thought South Carolina would win by just a few more than six and a half. They ended up winning by nine. So again, I'm, I must be a genius because I, that was, I said, I said, that was it my would first be a little, uh, it was to be a little bit more than six and a half, and it was just a little bit more than six and a half. But, but Troy was winning that game uh, early in the game. 17 to seven at one point at halftime. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, 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 I didn't I'm see sorry, it was, it. I'm sorry, it was – I'm sorry, it was uh, South Carolina up 17 to seven and a half. 77, that's right, that's right. Uh, but – it was a close game for most of the first half. Yes. Uh, in fact, and and I, I think if I'm not mistaken, Troy was Troy scored first, and they were up seven to three at one point. Uh, yes. Deep into the first half, 
And late in the first half, uh, South Carolina scored. They So this is what I remember when I was following it. They scored to make it 10 to 7. And this is where I got really confused because, I was again, I wasn't watching it. I was just following it on the tracker. Then Troy was driving down the field and was about to score before halftime. And the next thing I know, instead of being 10 to 10 or 14 to 10, it was 17 to 7. I'm assuming it was an interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, it was a 74-yard pick six by, by okay. South Carolina. Because they Troy was driving in to score to change that entire complexion of the game. And the next thing I knew, it was 17 to 7. And it was right before the half. I mean, it was literally within seconds before halftime. The whole game, I, I watched a lot of this game. The whole game was consisted of Troy shooting themselves in the foot. Really? They got down to in, inside the 35. They fumbled the ball. The defender picked it up. He was starting to get tackled. He fumbled the ball. Oh, the defender picked it up and ran it 60, 70 yards. And before he crosses the goal line, he decides to throw it up like he scored. And then they, they're showing him on the jumbotron on the TV here. And his eyes are like big. He's like, you got to be kidding me. You can't. I, I scored. Well, no, I don't know where these kids. And the announcers were so perfect on this. You spent all day trying to get the football. Why are you throwing it as soon as you cross the or as soon as you think you cross the goal line. Right. It's like you've spent all day. If me, if I recover, recover that and I'm running 60 yards, I'm bringing that one back to the sidelines of me. Ain't nobody touching that ball. But yeah. he decides to throw it up on the one-yard line. Oh, and then after okay. he throws it off, it bounces through the end, so it's a touchback. Troy gets the ball, but now they're, they go down and they're 80 more yards to score, and they start moving the ball. What happens? Another interception. Troy shot themselves in the foot all day. Yeah. Troy is not a very good football team. And I'll tell you what, South Carolina is not a very good football no, team. No, South Carolina's got their own issues. They've got a lot of issues on that football team. So and they're they're gonna get beat up a lot in the SEC conference. They're gonna get crushed. Well, let's move on because I mean we don't play either one of them this weekend, and I don't uh yeah. but Quite honestly, I mean, we're looking next is is the uh, is the uh, uh, Georgia Southern hosting Arkansas State, which is so this, exactly what we thought it would be again. Yeah. So this was the one I was most wrong about, and I was really close. Um, I said that there was a good chance that this could be a fifty-something to fifty-something football game uh, because neither team really showed that they have very good defenses, and that was that was obvious in this game. It was 59 to 33. Uh, so, so Arkansas State got some of their points. They didn't get all of them. Uh, Georgia Southern scored 50 something like I expected they would because the difference between these two football teams is not on the offensive side of the football. I think both of them have quality offensive teams, although Arkansas State seems to be struggling to run the ball at all. So they have to throw the ball all over the field. But the difference is, while Georgia Southern's defense is not very good, they are much better than Arkansas State's defense, which might well, be. The question is, are they really? Because Georgia Southern, 503 yards on the ground. Yeah. That you're <laughs> going to control the game clock. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. They they just look. I, I expected someone to be in the fifties in this game, and 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 if one of them were going to be in the fifties, Georgia Southern was my expectation, and they did. They were they they look. They're a better football team than people are were making them out to be. And you 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 now look like the genius because I do believe they might they might end up being the third best team in the in the East. Now, I mean, not, not yeah. they might not be saying much because the East is top heavy and bottom weak, but they may end up being the, the third best team in the, in the, uh, in the Sunbelt East. Well, I, I think both divisions are top heavy with the Cajuns. And I think South Alabama, we'll talk back about yeah. it a little bit in the second year is a, is a pretty damn good football team too. So, but yeah. um, uh, I, I'm still not convinced. Don't get me wrong. Coastal has, Coastal has played well. But they've had a very easy schedule. The easiest in uh, FBS football. Yeah. By far. So I, I still think, and I believe, if I remember correctly, they go to Georgia Southern the second to last week in the, in, in the schedule here or something like that. So mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe that that will be very telling at that point. Uh, if, Georgia, if Georgia Southern continues to, uh, to uh, mature. Well, Coastal might score 70 this weekend. Well, They've we're going to our... talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. Yeah, let's wait, let's, let's wait there a little bit here because, uh, all right, Cajuns game, I think, I mean, as most of uh, our listeners have, we, most of us have beaten that to death. But uh, I just want to go from it from the you – can, you can comment how you want. I'm, I'm going from the, from the perspective of, it's similar to a baseball game and deep or, or more of a baseball game or a basketball game that people only remember the last, you know, the last ending, the last five minutes of a basketball game. What people fail to realize in my opinion is that yes, the did the Cajuns get lucky because South Alabama missed a field goal. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But at the same time, did South Alabama was South should out South Alabama have ever been in that position because the Cajuns missed two field goals and an extra point. So how did South Alabama get lucky? Yeah. Look, there was a tale of two halves in that football game, right? Yep. The Cajuns were by far the best team in the first half and, and South Alabama played much better in the second half. And they started, they started doing things that got them in the game. They have kicking problems. We have kicking problems. That's, and part of that could be the weather. I mean, it was nasty from what I understand. I, I unfortunately was expected to go to game and I had some family issues that came up that I wasn't able to go. Um, but look, I, I think the Cajuns were the better football team. If you, if you had to vote on which team was better for the entirety of the game, the Cajuns were the better team. They won the game and they should have won it by more than they did. They didn't because we missed some some kicks. But at the end of the day, you're right. That is what everybody's going to remember is the missed kick uh, by South Alabama. But it was bigger than that because that game would not have been in – if we could have kicked field goals, that game would have even been in question. We would have been up with the extra point and the two field goals. We would have been up 27 to 18, and it wouldn't have mattered 
whether they would have scored a field goal or a touchdown at the end of the game. We unfortunately were not because, you know, we have our own problems there. and we got to figure that out. And, 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 and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Nobody questions Nate Snyder's ability. We, we know he's good. Uh, we question his confidence right now, and that's a big piece of place kicking, right? I, I was never a place kicker in, in any level of football, but what I, the little bit I know about place kicking and what I see is confidence builds on confidence, right? When these guys are hot, they stay hot. When they're cold, they stay cold. It's a little bit like the whole baseball analogy, right? Or a three-point shooter in basketball, yeah. right? You want your three-point shooter who is your, you know, we, we said this for years about Michael Allen and Sidney Grider and, 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 um, and, and other uh, Cajun basketball players. I don't not want those guys to shoot, right? Because right. they're going to shoot themselves out of a slump. And, and we said it for years about Hayden Cantrell at, at shortstop for the Cajuns, right? He's going to get hot. It's just when is he going to get hot? Right. And uh, kickers are the same type of mentality. They've got they got to get hot. And when they get hot, they normally stay hot when they are cold. It's a they just stay cold because it's in their own head at that point. And it just makes it very challenging for them to get better. Well, I think two things there. I think kickers get too much of the blame and too much of the credit at the end of a game that if they kick the game winning field goal, sure. it's, it's very similar to the quarterback position and they're on center stage. And to me, it's even more difficult than, than the, uh, the, the center stage for the quarterback. Uh, yeah. But Hey, you know what? Hopefully Nate comes through for us in, in, in the future. Uh, well, I we'll said it last week and I'll say it again. At some point this season, we are going to need Nate to make a yes. big kick. And, and I don't know when it's going to be. We got a lot of games to play, and Nate's going to have to make a big kick. And and uh, I hope he did. And he's done it before. We know he can. It's just whether or not he does. So I'm I'm I you know I, I'm still rooting for the kid. I still think the world of him, and yeah. I you know I I just want him to be successful. And I know he's frustrated, right? He wants to be better. Well, he's, we'll get him there. He's there, and he's got a pretty good number on his back with 36. There's some history. That's there. right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time on the offense or anything or coach, uh, but, you know, the, the, you you know, because you lived in North Carolina, attending those App State games, the two worst games that that, that uh, Levi Lewis has played in a Cajun jersey, in my opinion, have both come when it's been pouring down rain. And we've got to recognize that. It's a trend now. And I understand Levi's a smaller guy, whatever it is, his hand's not as big. I'm, I'm a guy with small hands. I understand it. Never been able to throw a football with any accuracy. So uh, Levi is shorter than I am and, and a hell of a lot more talented. So, yeah, this is, this is by far his worst game of the season. I mean, there's no question about it. And we saw it, like you said, you go back to the game, the, the, the really wet games in Boone, North Carolina. And, and that's, that's been when Levi has struggled the most. And, yeah. and it's unfortunate. And you brought that up to me before we got on the call. I, 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 I forget that, that when he's really struggled, there's been games that it's been sloppy. And, and fortunately in all of those occasions, and, and we didn't win very many of them, but all those occasions when it's been wet, we've always been able to rely on our running game and we yeah. were able to do it again 
we finally showed some semblance of a running game this week, and, and it was really exciting to see against the team that we expected. was. And, and, and look, I'm going to call you a genius again because you said run the and ball. And I'm not going to argue with you at all. <laughs> yeah. you, you said it because I said, look, their weakness is in the defensive backfield. We should be able to attack them in the passing game. And you said maybe we should think about running the ball and running the ball and running the ball. And you know, weather had a lot to do with that. That's why we ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. But we were successful doing it, and we were very successful doing it early in the game, and it made a big difference, and they were struggling to stop us. I mean, it was it was fun to watch those three young guys run the ball like they were this week. I agree, and, and I think Imani Bailey's career here is nothing but shining. And he's not the only one, obviously, back there, but I told Chris Lano this uh, uh, through some text messages, and I'll have Chris on uh, during the week here hopefully soon. And, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the whole deal there with, uh, I think Imani Bailey is a talented, talented running back. And this I, was, I was the best, this was the best front seven that we probably faced with the exception of Texas. And, and we, we gave them, we just went right at them yeah. and ran the ball very successfully. So, and Imani Bailey was a big piece of that, but the, the other guys had success too. And, and Levi ran the ball and yes. that was fun to watch Levi made early quick decisions when he didn't have an open receiver, he would tuck it under and make good decisions. And that's a, that's a big piece of Levi being good. And what makes Levi special is his athleticism that he has the ability to run the ball. And we, we questioned it for a long time because he wouldn't do it when we wanted him to do it. He showed this weekend what he can do when he has open field and makes that quick decision to run the ball. He did a good job this week. I was I was very impressed with him running the ball. I wasn't impressed with our throwing game, but a lot of that had to do with weather. Well, that's okay. Well, let's take our first break right here, uh, Dave, yes, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the rest of the uh, Sunbelt Conference schedule before we hit the Cajuns. And we can talk about what Levi and the rest of the uh, – Monty Bailey and Johnson and Chris Smith and uh, – the rest of the guys need to do to beat App State this weekend. Or, or, I'm sorry, Tuesday night, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Cajun Field. So we'll be yes, right sir. back after this quick, quick message. Maybe the uh, old fashioned is starting to hit me. Uh, Craig <laughs> Malasson with Dave Amato tonight. You're listening to We're Talking. Welcome back to We're Talking tonight. Craig Malasson, Dave Amato. Dave, our first game. Wait, wait, before we get started with games, I want to make a huge shout out to Nico Yanko and Dr. Maggart for pulling in another $2 million gift for the Cajuns football stadium. Uh, these guys are starting to roll. We're starting to see progress. Uh, it's my true belief that we will see uh, stadium plans and maybe even some demolitions starting uh, in, in, uh, in the spring. So I'll be excited to see it. Uh, and before I shoot, I'm sorry. I, I switched all my computers around because I couldn't, I was used to the touch screen and the touch screen wasn't coming up. But for those that don't know, $2 million gift from Iberia Bank, a division of First Horizon Bank. So uh, through the, the Louisiana First Horizon Foundation. So thank you to Louisiana First Horizon Foundation, Iberia Bank and Horizon Bank. And, and thanks, on behalf of everybody. Yeah, thank you, McDonald's, and thank you, um, uh, Our Lady of the Lords, for yep. the other, you know, uh, money that they've given, and, and whoever else is going to give after this, because this is fantastic, and something I don't think you and I have ever seen in a long, and this is, this is special to see this kind of money coming in. 
not only have never seen it's unprecedented gifts the the uh, RCF has been continued to uh, get in, but uh, it, it's just unprecedented. And I, quite honestly, I'm I, I know I'm not old at 57, but at the same time, I really not did not think this would happen. So, yep. but um, glad to be a small part of that on the RCF board. And uh, actually, before I go there again, let me just uh, uh, Jerry Vasco, who's a member of the RCF board, works works for Iberia Bank, and it was instrumental in that. So, thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Horizon Bank, again one more time, for Louisiana First Horizon Foundation, for all of your support and uh, continued success with your with the banking needs of uh, Acadiana, and at the same time, continued success for Louisiana Athletics. So, um, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the first game Thursday night, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State. I know what you're going to tell me, but can I say something first? Because Go ahead. I, I, I don't want to, uh, and I'm not by any means saying Arkansas State has a chance because, quite frankly, they don't have a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just another one of uh, Coastal, Coastal Carolina walking into the season here before they have to play anybody. But Arkansas State can move the ball a little bit. Are we going to okay. see something there against Coastal Carolina? I think, our, I think Coastal Carolina wins. I, th I don't think it's close. But are we going to see Arkansas State move the ball against Coastal Carolina? Yeah, I, look, I think Arkansas State can. They, they're talented enough on offense that they can move the ball, and they will move the ball. And, and look, Buffalo's moved the ball against them. And, and, and I think I think Arkansas State offensively will be able to do some things. Unfortunately, Coastal might put up 70 points against them. Um, and, and, and Arkansas State's not going to score 70. Um, and, and that's going to be a problem. I, so I, you're I saying 70, 45? <laughs> well, look, I What's don't, the over under? We're going to have to look yeah, that up one day. Yeah. I, so I'm looking at it here. It's 72.5. Oh, take the over fans. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, the Georgia Southern Troy game is 50. The South Alabama, Texas state game is 53. The UL Georgia state game is 51. They are 25% higher almost yeah. on their, their over under. And I do believe they might hit the over because there's a chance. Look, Georgia Southern scored 59 against Arkansas State. Yeah. And, and Georgia Southern doesn't have the offense that Coastal Carolina does. Um, I, 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 this could be now, now, Coastal's defense is much better than Georgia yeah. Southern. So, so they might not score 33. I, 72 and a half, I might be tempted to take 72 and a half. And that's a lot of points for college football. Well, I, I agree with you. I, if I was a betting man, and I'm not because I have a very addictive personality. Yes. Uh, I, I, I would bet the over on that. I don't what what is the spread on the game? The spread is 19 and a half. Now I am more confident that I would take Coastal in 19 and a half. Really? Yeah, I I I think Coastal, you know, runs away with this one. I really do. I think I think maybe early uh, Arkansas State does some things and scores some points and keeps it close early, but I think Jordan, I don't know how how Arkansas State's going to stop Coastal. I, really I, I agree, but with two passing teams like that, 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm not. I would take I would take Arkansas State in the points, but that's just me. No, we'll so, see. Now I don't want to be a genius again this week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you don't know. No, I mean, no, I mean, we, you know, hey, uh, Georgia State at ULM. All right, here is a game I find very interesting on a team that we had thought of or thought of highly in Georgia State. And then ULM yep. goes in and 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 skull drags Troy. There's no other. There's no other words okay. for it. Um, but you know, Georgia State travels to ULM after you know after what that happened at, at Auburn. What after uh, uh, App State coming in and beating them. You know, again, I, I said it when ULM won. I, uh, I beat Troy. I was happy for my, my friend Nick White up at, at ULM, and. I, I, I could not ask for a better crew up there to deal with. And I, and I hope ULM, this is like, this is like scary for me actually going to pick ULM in a game. First of all, I, this is the game on the schedule I'm looking at that. I, I, I have no earthly idea, like literally no earthly idea. Georgia state is the hardest team to predict on what they really are. And ULM, while I don't believe they're as good as the Troy win. I don't know how bad they are, and I expected them to be terrible this season, and they started out that way for me. Well, I, but, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this game is going to do. I, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to pull back on mine. I'm going to pull back on mine. If Rhett Rodriguez plays, yes. I think ULM has an opportunity. So, so I want you to listen to this, and I'm just seeing this for the first time. And these are two teams that I cannot figure out. They're the most confusing teams in the Sun Belt Conference. Georgia State is a 16-point favorite going into this game, going to Monroe to play it. So and essentially they're saying they're, they're really a 19-20-point yeah. favorite. Man. Yeah. I, I don't know how Georgia State beats anybody by 20 points. I really don't. I don't know how they beat anybody by a touchdown. They're, 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 although they so, played well at Auburn. So well, I don't know. But let me ask you this. So let, if ULM beats Georgia State, does that mean that ULM could beat Auburn and South Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> I would – this why that. this is why looking at who has done what and beat yeah. who and you beat them means absolutely nothing. Yeah, I was going to answer at that. The end of the season. A, I was going to answer that with a resounding no, because there's no way. Look, it, it, could ULM be zero and two in the Southeastern Conference (SEC) or two and zero? You mean? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, two and zero. Yeah, could they be a, no, 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 they could not. The, unless they were playing Vanderbilt twice. And even <laughs> then, I and even then I don't think they could be too well. <laughs> All yeah, right. I, I've got nothing on this game, and I'm afraid to pick a team. And 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 look, I was Come high on, on man. Grow a pair. I know I was high on Georgia State to start the season, and I was low then, on then you've, then you've got and to I'm go with them. I'm going to – and I, I'm changing my vote from earlier. It, when I don't know if you were listening when I said I think ULM was going to win, but I'm changing my vote, and I'm going with Georgia State. I'm going with ULM. I'll, I'm going to take the points and ULM, though. I don't yeah, know that ULM beats them outright. 
Well, if you give me if you give me 16 points, I'm taking ULM too. <laughs> I think the game's closer within the touchdown. So I, I agree. I agree. All right. Um, South Alabama now travels to Texas State. Texas State is still an enigma to me yeah. in the sense of played a good game against Baylor. Lose to Incarnate Word because they're out with them. COVID issues. But I, I think South Alabama's too good of a team. Do you do you have the numbers I, I, I up there? Uh, yeah. This, what's the, the spread, spread there? The spread's three and a half USA. Uh, I think USA oh, wins the game. I take I really, that all day long. Yeah. I think USA wins the game. I Texas State is still a team that has some ability when they have their full team on the field, and I think they can do some things. I And I don't know if they're healthy and everybody's back from COVID protocol. I don't, I don't know what the story is with them. I think um, if they're fully healthy, they can give, they can give uh, South Alabama a little bit of a challenge early, but I think South Alabama, from what I saw, is, is a better football team than they're going to win the game. And they'll win by more than three and a half. I, I agree. I think, I think South Alabama goes uh, 10 plus points. I mean, uh, there, there's no, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, now this game, I'm, this next game can make me look like a fool or can make me look like a genius, but I say, uh, Georgia Southern drags Troy all over the field and beats I, them like redheaded stepchildren in a bad porno film. Well, I, I wasn't going to go that deep into the, into it, but yes, I agree um now and again i i wish i was a betting person at this point in time troy is a five and a half point favorite really yeah and and look i i'm with you i think georgia southern has built some confidence i think they're they're you know you you know they they won a game with an interim head coach i think they're uh i think they have a little confidence going for them right now I think they're the better team. I think Troy is not a very good football team, and I think at the end of the day, Georgia Southern is going to win that game, and they're going to they don't they won't need the points to do it. I, I agree. I think Georgia Southern. I don't think they'll they'll score fifty nine like they did at Arkansas State, but, but I they won't Troy, have to. But they're they're going to score forty two or thirty five. Yeah. I think all they need is thirty five, and they win thirty five twenty eight, thirty five twenty four. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, and I, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not Las Vegas, so yeah. I, have, I have a hard time with this, but I don't know how you can tell me that um, that, that Troy is going to win that game by six and a half points. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not there either, and, uh, and I think we agree on something. I, I, Troy has shown me nothing that says that they can do that. So, mm -mm. All right, Dave, great segment. As always, appreciate it. We're going to come back. We're going to do our final segment on the uh, on, on our Tuesday night game. I'm half tempted just to stop it right now and say, all right, we'll record this about three days later. No, but we're not going to. Uh, we'll be back right after this. You've been listening to uh, We're Talking, Craig Melanson and Dave Amato. Welcome in to another episode. Oh, no, not welcome in. We're already here. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I did pour a little bit more whiskey in there, though. It's too sweet. I can only have so much sweetness. Uh, Craig Molas on Dave Amato tonight. We're talking. Um, 
and tonight we're talking been talking Sunbelt Conference football. Uh, big shout out again to uh, Horizon uh, Bank and uh, all of them over there. A nice gift to uh, to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation and uh, great job by Nico Yanko, uh, Jerry Vasco, and uh, Dr. Maggart on getting this taken care of for us. So, Dave, uh, let's move on, though. We've got uh, the game. You know, some people are calling the game the game of a lifetime at Cajun Field. But, you know, we didn't know that was that was going to happen against Coastal Carolina. We don't know what's going to happen against App State. It's a huge game. Don't get me wrong. Cajun fans need to come out. Cajun fans need to support it. There's a, the best opportunity for Lafayette to show on national TV what's going to happen. I believe we are the only game that night on college yeah. football. Again, I think we're the only game on college football. There'll be an NFL game against it. Um, but I think if I'm not mistaken, we're on the the main uh, ESPN platform. So, we're on ESPN uh, two. Uh, oh, two. Okay. And it's a Tuesday night, so there'll be no NFL game. It'll be the only game in town. Oh, that's right. My bad. My bad. That's right. It's so, but night. point being, um, I can't keep up with all these weeknight games. Well, I know. I mean, it's driving me crazy here. So I feel like we need to do a. We need to do a show every day just to say, hey, what's going on? <laughs> um, so what are you seeing here? I mean, App State, Louisiana, it, some people think App State's going to blow us out. Some people think, you know, it's going to be a close game. Some think, people think uh, Louisiana is going to handle uh, handily. I mean, I think it's somewhere in between of all of that. And even the close game part, I, I just don't know what to think right now. So I, I don't either. I, I'm going to tell you, you know, doing the research into uh, app, they've got quality people on every single unit of their football team. And we're going to do some breakdowns and we'll get deep into some of the stuff. Um, but this is a football team that is really good. Um, and and it, They've and I, I kind of kept thinking about this, right? They they went through a lot of the Arkansas State coast uh, Arkansas State coaching carousel for a long time, right? They went through we had a coach here who left, a coach here who left. They've got their guy now, right? Sean Clark's their guy. He's a he's a guy who played at App State. He's a guy who's an assistant coach at App State, and now he's the head coach at App State. And I don't think personally that he's in a hurry to get out of Boone, North Carolina. Now, look, if the right situation comes along, he'll go. But he's not a one-and-done coach there. He's a, I'm going to build this. And I want, and, and, and I wasn't sure what Sean Clark was going to be when he got there. They had, you know, some of the names that they had had before him, Eli Drinkowitz and some of these other guys, that you knew them. Sean Clark was kind of a, he hadn't really coached at a lot of other places. He had really been an App State guy for most of his career. Um, and he's, he, he wants to be there. I, I think he likes what he can build there and he's done a really good job. This is what, as I was putting this together and we were going to talk, think about this. So I think everybody that listens to this podcast and everybody who follows the Cajuns will say the same thing. We will be very disappointed in this season if we finish nine and three because the expectation for this season was greater than that, right? 
I think that's there's nobody's going to argue with that because what we had coming back, and our coach and our players, we thought we could do better than nine and three. We would be disappointed, but we would be okay with nine and three at any point in in history of Cajun football. Last year, App State went nine and three. And it was one of the most disappointing nine and three seasons. They were nine and three. And you know what? When the season ended, they were receiving votes for the top 25. Yeah. Right. They were the third best team in the Sunbelt Conference behind Coastal and UL. And they were disappointed in their season. And, and rightfully so, because they've been so good for so long. This team is not used to being nine and three, they're not used to being you know, the third best team in the conference. They were last year. Clearly they were last year. This year they came in with expectations. They were going to be much better. And they they are better than they were last year. And they're arguably the best team in the conference this year. Um, now, look, they still have competition from UL and they still have competition from Coastal. And we'll see how this all plays out at the end of the season. But this is a team that is not used to being 93. And that's like, if they ever went six and six, you might see Boone, North, North Carolina blow up. Like this, that's, that's stuff not in their DNA. They, they are trying to get back to where they were. And this is a really good football team on every level. And we can start doing some breakdowns and start talking about quarterback and running back and wide receiver and talk about the defense. But I, They've got an NFL player, arguably, at every position on the football field That when I started doing the breakdown on offense and defense. Now, question arguably at quarterback, Chase Bryce. But the history of Chase Bryce is an interesting one. Chase Bryce um, started his career at Clemson. Um, he was a high-ranked three-star recruit for Clemson. And I remember this kid because I, I, when I was putting this together to talk to you tonight, I, I said I, I had a tennis match at my old club in North Carolina. And after we finished in the morning, I stayed around. We were drinking some beer. We were watching college football. Clemson was playing Syracuse. I remember this vividly. And it was the week after Kelly Bryant, who was the starting quarterback at Clemson, had declared that he was transferring out, out of the blue. He had just said he was a senior and he's like, I'm done. I'm going to transfer out. I'm going to sit this whole season out. I'm going to transfer out the next season because if he would have waited one more week, he would not have been eligible to transfer out. So they had to start Trevor Lawrence and everybody knows who Trevor Lawrence is, right? Yeah. They had to start Trevor Lawrence, who was a true freshman at the time. So they were playing Syracuse and late in the game, they were down by 10 points in that game. He gets hurt, and they have to go to a guy named Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce goes on to win that football game, makes a huge comeback, and wins that football game. They go on, fast forward to the end of the season, they go on to win a national championship. If Chase Bryce doesn't win that football game, Clemson doesn't win one of their three national championships. That was Chase Bryce. Now, he was there. For two more years, didn't play much because Trevor Lawrence was a superstar, but back Trevor Lawrence up. So he decides, hey, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go and play at Duke. So he goes to Duke because he wants to play for David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe is of, of Peyton Manning fame, right? He's a quarterback whisperer. He's the guy that you want to play for if you're a quarterback. 
he goes to Duke and puts up huge numbers, but throws a ton of interceptions and has and not all of them were his fault. Duke wasn't a very good football team. They were struggling. They had other issues, right? But threw a ton of interceptions. He graduates from Duke and decides he wants to have another year and do his graduate transfer. And App State's in transition. They just lost a, a longtime starter and need a quarterback. He goes to App State. He's having a fantastic year. He's got eight touchdowns to three interceptions, and he's throwing for 272 yards a game. Chase Bryce is a quality quarterback who has a chance to get a shot at the next level. I don't think he'll start. I think somebody will sign. I don't think he'll get drafted, to be honest. But I think somebody gives him a shot to play, right, because I think he's that good. Um, and he'll probably get cut and go to practice squad. But he's that good. He could do that. But that's that might be the weakest part of their offense. And he's good. Well, I can tell you as uh, what I found out about practice, practice squad guys um, is is one of those things that uh, $60,000 a week for being on the practice squad is not a bad living. No, and, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And, but, and, and you go back and look at guys like uh, Brett Favre, Jake DeLome. They weren't hot, that's highly right. sought after. Ja I, don't, I don't believe Jake was drafted. And, I, and Favre was drafted by the Falcons. Never got an opportunity to play. Yeah. So, but, but, And look, they get better than that as you go down their lineup. Yeah. At running back, they're a two-headed monster with two really Cam, – Cam Peoples is great, and he's not their best running back. They've got a younger guy behind him in Nate Noel, who is blowing it up. I mean, he is, he's all, he's, he's rushing all over the field. Oh, you got something? You were going to say something? Yeah, just one second. Sorry about that. I know uh, sometimes you have to take a pause for the cause. And since, since Dave had his pumpkin, pumpkin spice latte IPA or whatever. <laughs> But no, all seriousness. All right, so quarterback, I mean, obviously, and I, I don't want to say the strength of this team, but I, I've seen him play a couple, in, in a few games here. And uh, very, very – but you, you don't get to the point where at, 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 the, uh, at the quarterback if you don't have some weapons around you. So let's talk about the running backs now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they really have a two-headed monster. Nate, Nate Noel is their main guy, but Cam Peoples has been there a long time, and he, they kind of split their duties. They're, they're a little bit of a Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell-type combination. Um, uh, Noel's a little bit smaller, but a shifty guy who can break long runs while uh, Cam Peoples is a bigger bruising back. He's 6'2", 220. Um, versus 5'10", 190. So it's really hard because when one comes out of the game, you got a different kind of runner that you're, you're, you're competing against. And, and, and he's, like I said, Noel's so shifty and tough to bring down. But then the other guy comes in and it's just a pounder and camp, camp people's been good. And look, they're doing this without a guy who in, in uh, Harrington, who's out for the season, I believe, or at least out for the majority of the season, who was a really good running back, too. They, they're just deep at running back. and But their main guys are those two. And I'll go back to quarterback. You know, we're going to face a guy similar to what we saw in Jake Bentley, who's not capable of doing a lot of running, and he doesn't run much. But the difference between Bentley and Bryce, what we're going to see, 
is Bryce is athletic enough to move around in the pocket to buy time, whereas Bentley was really just a drop-back guy who's going to hurl the ball down the field. He didn't want to even be shifty in the pocket. Bryce is a little bit different in that he can move, but he's not going to take it upfield. So your running game is going to be Camp Peoples and Nate Noel. Well, gee, trying to think how to uh, with with all of that. I'm just trying. I'm trying to think here because I'm looking at their numbers and everything. Is this something that you would if? And I hate to use this because it it can be said about a lot, a lot of games. If if this would have happened, well, well, if 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 was a fifth, you know. Several of us could get drunk. Not all of us, but several of us could. Several. Uh, but you know, if 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 App State plays Miami later on in the year, do you think they beat them? I mean, I mean, it was it one of those oh, things yeah. that that that, no that App State that App State hadn't quite gotten to where they needed to be. There's no question in my mind after watching a little bit of Miami the last couple of weeks and watching a, a lot of App State the first couple of weeks. I think this team is starting to gel at. at you know, later in the season. And I do believe if this game was game week eight, week nine, I don't think it would even be a contest. I think App State's that much better than Miami. And I think Miami's going backwards. I think well, they're struggling. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is, is Miami being exposed at this point? Because I think yeah. even in week five, I think App beats them. But I, I agree with you. If you get to week eight oh. where they've, they've got more game film on it, Okay, I mean, that's, that, it was just one of the thoughts in my no, head. No, I, I completely agree with you, and I think it's a very good point to say that because I do believe that it, we're seeing the, 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 the team that App is get better, and we're seeing a team like Miami that's, that's starting to struggle and, and, and people are figuring them out. And I think, yeah, App, App, App would crush them if they played them later in the season. So when we're looking at the wide receiver and the, uh, the, the receivers in general, wide receivers, tight ends, I mean – uh, I mean, yeah. if, if the quarterback is good and he's throwing to somebody, he's got to be throwing the ball downfield, I would think. Yeah, so so last week in our podcast, we talked about this, and I said South Alabama doesn't have the deepest wide receiver core, but they've got probably the best at the top end. Yeah. Well, if there's another team that has the deepest, there's no question it's App State. And, and I say that to this point. Their top three guys, to me, could be number one guys on probably any team in the Sunbelt Conference. That's how good all three of them are. And then there's two guys behind them that I truly believe are quality guys. They're not getting a lot of passes thrown to them because they don't have to, because the big three are really, really good. And it all starts with Thomas Hennigan, who I think might be in his 14th year at App State, um, because I remember, I, I seem to remember him catching everything, um, and he's good. He's, he's, a, he's a really possession-type receiver, um, and he catches almost every ball that's thrown to him. Uh, he has the ability to go deep, but he's really not that guy, because they, he doesn't need to be that guy. The two other guys that are the, the guys who are going to catch the deep balls are Corey Sutton and Malik Williams. And, and, and I want to make this clear. Those guys have combined, those three guys have combined for 76 receptions, over 1,000 yards receiving, and seven touchdowns. 
and it's equally split between all three of them. Like they're, they throw the ball. Those three guys all have well over, one of them has well over 30 catches. Some of them have well over 20. Both of them have well over 20 catches. They're that good. And they're senior, they're, they're, they're upperclassmen. They're not guys who are just new to the program. They've been there a long time. But those three guys are hard to cover. You've got, and they're on the field all the time. So you've got to have the, the good news is the Cajuns have some quality defensive backs and we have some depth at defensive back that we can, we can guard them with our normal guys. We, we don't have to put an extra defensive back on the field. That's, that's not used to starting to cover all three of these guys, but these guys are good. They're going to make their catches. They're, they're that good. Uh, Sutton and, and Williams are more deep threats and they're going to make some big plays in the game. Um, and like I said, Hennigan's kind of that, that over the middle guy that's going to catch everything. And he does. And then behind him, they've got Jalen Virgil, who's really a kick returner for him, who is another really good receiver. Doesn't catch a lot of balls because they don't need him. And Christian Wells, who they're really high on, but he's another guy that doesn't see a lot of passes because the big three are doing so much. Well, before we move on to the defense, let's, let's briefly talk about uh, the guys that, that are up front, the, the uh, that, do all this blocking that allow the running backs to do what they do, allow the quarterbacks to throw. I mean, obviously, if they're catching the ball downfield, uh, you've got some guys up front. So yeah, uh, I don't, I don't love their offensive line. I, I, I think they're good. They're quality. They're not great, right? They're not superb, but they're solid, and it, they're solid enough. They give Chase Bryce some time, and of course. They, they open enough holes that they, they give these guys some run, lanes to run through. They're kind of a hodgepodge. They got a couple of transfers that have come in, um, one from Colorado State um, and one from Western Carolina who's in the starting lineup. Um, and then they've got a couple other guys who've been there a long time. They're, they're a solid offensive line. It, it, to be honest with you, it might be, and, and, and this is no slight on their offensive line, it might be the weakest position group on the field but that's only because the other position groups are that good (laughs) you know i'm not i'm not giving them i'm not giving them a pass saying they're not very good they're just the other positions are so extremely good let's move to the defensive side of the ball here and talk about their line before we move on to the cajuns and what they need to do but i do want to talk about their defensive side the defensive lineman what are you looking at there so so really Again, the three levels of defense, right? They've got a player at every level of defense, to me, that is going to play in the NFL. And, and it all starts at the defensive line with a guy named Demetrius Taylor, who I remember from two years ago. I think it was the 17-7 to game at Cajun Field um, during the 19 season in the, uh, the regular season game where he looked like he was by far the best player on the field. He was everywhere. Uh, Levi had no time. He couldn't do anything. He was being chased. He ran around like an idiot. And it wasn't his fault because we couldn't block Demetrius Taylor. Yeah. Um, and and he was just a special athlete on the defensive line. And, and they've got a couple of other guys, whether Caleb Sperlin, who's a really good one. they got a nose tackle who's who's pretty good. But, but it all starts because it's almost impossible to block Demetrius Taylor. And it opens up the field for the other guys on the defensive line. They play a three-four, 
Um, and, but it all starts with Demetrius Taylor. He's, he's that good. And then when we go to linebacker and we will we go to linebacker, they're the same way at linebacker. They got one guy who's just almost impossible to block. Let's go ahead and move on there. Then with the linebacker position, I mean, you've yes. got that secondary and I think that's what, uh, where was I looking at? We, we talked about it one game that, you know, you, you saw the, uh, the, the defensive line made a lot of tackles in the, uh, in, yeah. in the in the defensive back, I forgot which group we were talking about, but they had nothing in the middle. So what are we looking at here? Yeah, in the middle, it's a little different for uh, F State. That's where uh, a lot of their tackles are. Um, they've got um, another guy who I think is their best player at linebacker in in Demarco Jackson, and he is a special special player. He's uh, he leads the team with 54 tackles. So they play five games. So he averages 10 tackles a game. I bet that's that's but he doesn't just lead the team in tackles. He leads the team with tackles for loss and he leads the team in sacks like he's that much of a disruptor um, from the inside linebacker position. So they're blitzing him a little bit. Right. He, he's not just a guy who sits back. He's he's coming at you and he's really good. But four of their top seven tacklers are linebackers and they're all their starting linebackers. Um, Hampton uh, is number two on the team in tackles uh, and number two on the team in tackles for loss. Trey Cobb is fourth on the team for tackles. And then they got another guy by the name of Harrington who's seventh on the team in tackles. So they've got in their top seven tacklers, they're the four starting linebackers. Uh, And then they've got another guy who comes off the bench who's pretty high up in their tackling, TD Roof, who's a transfer from Georgia Tech, and if I'm not mistaken, and I'd have to go back and research this a little bit more, I think this is Ted Roof's son, who used to be the coach at Duke, um, that's playing for them, or he's related to Ted Roof, if I'm not mistaken, but okay. he was a Georgia Tech transfer. So where we're looking so. at the defensive backs in, because we're going to go, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the linebackers, but yeah. I wanna go, as we talk about the Cajuns, I'll go back to them. What are we yeah. looking at the defensive backfield here? In defensive backfield. Same thing, same thing as the starting as the defensive line, the linebackers, and the defensive backfield. They got one guy who is a special player who will be playing on Sundays, and his name's Sean Jolly. Uh, Sean Jolly's been there a long time. Yeah. I, I remember, remember him the name well. Him. Yeah, yeah, and, and most people do. He's he's really really good. He's a cornerback, and he's he's a special player back there. And he's going to be guarding your best wide receiver. He's going to be trying to shut him down. He's a shutdown corner. But they're good in the backfield too. Like I said, there's as I research this team, there's not a ton of weaknesses. You just keep seeing strengths all over the field, and you go, "Well, how can they be this good?" And you just say, "Well, I know how they can be that good. They got such a good player at one position that it makes the other guys better because you got to double team this guy, or you got look having a shutdown corner is a special thing in college football, right? If you've got a guy who is a shutdown corner." makes it a whole lot easier for a guy on the other side because you can play single coverage on one guy and then you can cheat your safety over on the other side. So what they end up doing is they've got two pretty quality safeties um, in Ryan Huff and Nick Ross. And then they've got Stephen Jones Jr. Who's not a, not a bad player. It's just, he's not Sean Jolly. Sean Jolly might be the, one of the best corners in the, in the Sunbelt conference. Sorry, I was taking a sip of my drink. No, you're me fine. Off guard. You're fine. So, and I'll, I'll, 
when we talk about the kicking game, I'll, I, you know, punting is what it is for every team. I'm sorry. I don't think a, pinner, a punter wins or, or, or loses the game for you necessarily unless he's really. Although Reese Burns, Burns may have won the game for us against UAB last year. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there, there are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. But kicking-wise, from the field goal standpoint, anything there with him that you see or that – or, or because as the team scored t- touchdowns, I guess is my point that if if they score in seven out of their ten scores or touchdowns, have we really seen enough out of the kicker to to, to make a, a, a an opinion of it? Well, their their kicker is Chandler Staten, and he is eight for eight on the season, and five of those are before, between forty and forty. He's never he hadn't kicked this game uh, kick this season. It's been more than 50 yards, but five of them have been between 40 and 49. So he's a very consistent. Kicker. Okay. Uh, so again, not a position that they struggle in. If they get inside the 25 yard line, they're going to go to their kicker and feel pretty confident he's going to make the kicks. Um, so, so again, I, I just, I continue not to see a whole lot of weaknesses on this team. Yeah. Uh, kickers are, <laughs> Kickers can be like three-point shooters, though. We're not sure what we're going to get every night. You know, there, there's very there's, there's very few Stephen Currys out there. Right. So, uh, moving on, though. Cajun side of the ball. We're going to go Cajun side of the ball first. Keys to victory for the Cajuns. I don't want to – we've already talked in depth throughout the season about what each position brings, and we've already talked about Imani Bailey and uh, – Montrell Johnson and Levi Lewis keys to victory on the Cajun side of the ball. If we have the ball, what do we have to do? Well, yeah, I, I look, I, I think we sound like a broken record a lot of times, but I do believe we have to stay established to run. And I think that, that it's going to be key to prove that we want to run the ball at them. And we're going to have to run away from uh, Demetrius Taylor and DeMarco Johnson. But I think at the end of the day, if we really establish a, a running game early, and, and, and I know it sounds like we say this all the time, but we need to establish that running game because it opens up Levi to do more things. And I think if was one place where I feel that App has some, and I wouldn't say a weakness, but as far as depth, they have some depth problems in the defensive backfield. Um, the four guys who back up the four guys who start are all either freshmen or sophomores. So if we can spread the field and it's going to be key to getting some runs that open up the field. So Levi can throw the ball. If we can open up that field to spread it around a little bit and go to four and five wides, I think that's where they could struggle because they don't have the depth if we put a Michael Jefferson, a John Stevens Jr., Kaylin Lacey, and um, and Dante Fleming out there, they can't guard all four. So somebody should be – and a Peter LeBlanc, right? We've got five quality receivers, we think, that we can throw. And a Neil Johnson, if he you know, plays well this week. We've got so many weapons that we can do some things against them in the back half but we've got to establish the run to prove that we can throw the ball downfield. I think that's the key to the game on the offense to us. Get get some early runs, get Imani Bailey hot, get 
Chris Smith hot. Get a, it doesn't have to be 20 yard runs. It needs to be five and six yard runs where they respect us that we're going to run the ball. And then we open up the passing game and we can do some things. And it needs to be a dry football because we know Levi excels when he has a dry football. Totally agree. It looks like the weather is going to be absolutely perfect at Cajun Field on Tuesday night. If you don't have tickets, get tickets, get out there and support your Cajun. But before we do that, defensively, what do we have to do? Where, I mean, they've got a lot of strengths, a lot of position players that can do what they're doing, but who do we need to stop? Who do we need to put a helmet on? Who do we need to put that block on? Where are we, where are we? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I I think a lot of it's going to depend on, look, I, I think we have the defensive backs and the safeties to guard their wide receivers. They're going to make some yards. I get it. We really need to key on slowing down that running game, which has been very good. And if we can get some plays in the back, we need to, we need to get them in third and longs. And it's going to be the key to the game. Um, again, Chase Bryce is not going to beat us with his legs. And he's going to be more challenged when it's third and nine than when it's third and two, because they've got good enough running backs. Third and two is going to be easy. We need to get him behind the chains and make them make them have some challenges on third down. And that's going to be where we do it. It's going to be if they run the ball on first down, we can't let them have seven yards on first down. We need to have them get two yards on first down or a negative play. If they're behind the sticks, I think the Cajuns have a shot. But it's going to be key to slowing down that run game and and forcing them to throw the ball to their receivers where we think we match up okay. Again, they're going to make plays because their receivers are that good. But we need to make them force them into some passing opportunities where we think and make them longer passing opportunities, not these short little dump offs. Where apps killed us in the past is because they've had two quarterbacks who we cannot control with their legs, right? Um, Lamb and help me here because I forgot oh. the other. Zach Thompson. Uh, yeah. uh, both of those guys had the ability to just we we'd guard their wide receivers well. We'd have great coverage and they'd run the ball down the, our throats. We've got to make sure we slow them down uh, in the running game and, and and make him sit in the pocket, throw the ball, get a little pressure on him. I, I yeah, we're gonna we might have to blitz from the linebacker position or blitz from the safety position every now now and then because we know he can't move very well. And that that will give us a chance to make some plays on the back half. That's – it's going to be a tough game. We're going to have to play a very, very good game in every phase of football to beat them. Uh, on, the flips, on the flip side of that, I think they're going into the game with the same expectation that they're going to have to play a pretty solid football game to beat us, right? They've played a very challenging schedule. You know, they, 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 with the exception of Elon, they have played Miami, who they played to a very close game. Marshall, who we think is a pretty good football team. And ACU, while they're not a great football team, is a peer conference team that they handled easily. They have not had a cupcake on their schedule, except for Elon. They they're tested, they're battle tested, and they're ready. And this is this is a game they circled on their calendar, just like we probably circled it on our calendar with the expectation, with the exception of them playing coastal. This is the best game, the, the most important game they have on their schedule. 
Well, I think it's a little different too that we're playing them earlier in the season, which we have not done in the past that I can remember. Yeah. But, and we no. got to make Cajun Field, yeah. which I think is a big plus for us. We've got to make Cajun Field a home field advantage. And, and yeah. Cajun fans, if any doubt, you got to get out there. Uh, I've, I've been preaching this for the last three podcasts while we were talking about Ohio, when yeah. we were talking about Georgia Southern, when we were talking about USA. I'm going to say it again. If you're listening and you're not sure if you're going to go to the game, you need to figure out if you're going. If you have tickets and you can't make it, give them away and yes. give them to somebody who's going to go. If you have tickets and you can go, show up. If you and Dr. Maggard said this as beautifully as anybody. If you can only make it for the first half because it's a Tuesday night game because you've got work or school or something in in the morning, that's okay. But you need to be there early and you need to be there loud and you need to be there as long as you can be there. I know I'm going to be in the stands and I'm going to be there until the, the, the whistle blows at the end of the game. And hopefully we walk out of there with a victory because this is this is this is this is probably with the exception of Liberty. The last game on the schedule that I think the Cajuns struggle in. And the Liberty game does not mean anything compared to how important this game is because this is a Sunbelt Conference game that's going to decide. Yeah, it, it might not decide who wins the West because I truly believe the Cajuns will win the West, but it's going to decide home field advantage for well, the for the Sun Belt Conference Championship. I, I I agree with you there. I think uh, home field uh, advantage there. I think the Cajuns have the uh, path now to the uh, West Conference Championship, but at the same time, Cajuns still have to take care of business. Cajuns yes, have to take care of a lot of business. Let's put it that way. You yes, know, sir. we've we've talked a lot tonight uh, tonight about uh, the the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation and those that give uh, with Iberia Bank for First Horizon Bank and the First uh, Louisiana First Horizon Foundation, which we thank very much for their gifts to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. I know we have listeners from other uh, schools that listen to us. If you have the opportunity and you have the wherewithal to do it, please give to your foundation. Make your university better. Make your athletics better because it makes it better for everyone. Uh, if, you're, it, if you're a Cajun fan and you're not giving, there are some low-level chances yeah. to give. And more importantly, if you are giving, reach into your pocket if you can because it's important. It's important to our school, and, and, and we're all – Big fans of the school. Five dollars uh, a month, sixty right. bucks. It's all it takes. That's right. So, so every little bit helps, and I know it's not two million or six million or fifteen million that's going to help pay for the, but every little bit is important to these guys, and we got to give. You know, forty percent of the donors that are going to be giving to the to the uh, new stadium will come from small gifts, which means from uh, from that hundred dollar level to to below ten thousand. So yep. a lot of that money is going to come from there. So everyone, please give if you can, whether it's the Rage Cajun Athletic Foundation or your university, help support uh, uh, college athletics. Dave, appreciate everything tonight as always. Always, sir. Uh, we'll be back uh, post-game at some point. Got to figure all that out. We haven't looked at next week's schedule. Might have to take a week off with Dave because I think, if I remember correctly, and, and I'm not even going to challenge myself to try to remember correctly i'm going to go ahead and do what i do best look at a schedule oh damn it that's what i get for touching a touch screen i have no clue what i'm doing here all right 
I feel like one of those old guys, get off my lawn. No. All right, App State, then uh, that is on the 12th, 16th, obviously we're off. And we're not back until the uh, 21st at Arkansas State. Arkansas so State. Uh, we may have to do a our, our little Sunbelt preview and uh, post view uh, eat, uh, each of those beforehand. Uh, for those that are listening, thank you very much. Appreciate it very much. We'll have Colin Lacey on tomorrow uh, to talk our, our Sunbelt. Unfortunately, I was not feeling well, well and had to postpone my interview with Colin. Uh, so we'll be back though with that. We'll also uh, trying to get uh, Cody Juno, Juno back on, talk some more um, Cajun football from the sideline reporter, also from uh, the AD uh, CollegeAD.com. Cody Juno talking more about realignment, and I'm going to tell I'm going to let him tell me why I'm wrong with everything that I'm thinking. So. <laughs> I think you're uh, listening to your podcast so far. I think you're 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 pretty accurate with what's going to happen, at least on a couple of them. I I, I I I I'm excited to think that Southern Miss will be with us soon, and I think there's a high probability Marshall will be there as well. Well, if I was a betting man right now, and I'm not right now, uh, I would give you a 99% chance that uh, Southern Miss will be in the uh, Sunbelt Conference very soon. And I would give you an eighty percent chance that Marshall will be in there from the people from the people I'm talking to and outside of the podcast. I can't tell you everything I know because otherwise I wouldn't get any information. So I think I, I yeah I, I think I think that makes the conference while it may not make it tremendously stronger, it makes it better. And I think it makes it better for a number of reasons because you know obviously where Southern Miss is located and where Marshall's located and the, the history they have with some of the teams that will be playing them. So I, I, I think that's a, it's, it's going to be fun if it happens the way you and I think it's going to happen. Well, I will tell you that uh, uh, hopefully I'll have Cody on this week, if not next week and Cody and I will talk and I will tell him why the Sun Belt needs to go to 14 team, four, 14 uh, football playing teams instead of 12, because it makes okay. sense to me. As long as Arlington and Little Rock are no longer in the conference. Arlington and Rock aren't in the conversation anymore. I don't believe. No, I, I think they're both, whether yeah. it's the Missouri Valley Rising or the Ohio Northern Valley or, or one of the other ones. Yeah, uh, I, I think agree. it's all but a, a done deal. So for Craig Malawson, well, I'm Craig Malawson. For David Motto, I'm Craig Malawson. And you've been listening to We're Talking tonight. We will talk to you soon because we've got lots to say. Hope to have some music podcasts if you guys are interested in that. Got lots to say about Paul McCartney, 321, a little bit more than what I talked about, Jay Walker, also some other upcoming episodes. So please tune in. Craig Malonso and David Motto, thank you very much. We're talking.